Beyond, and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 643 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show. I'm joined this week by Brian Altana. Hey, what's up? Max Scoville. Hey, everybody. And Tom returning, Mark. Uh, I don't know about that one. That wasn't even a real try. But you are returning after you were on our show recently, so thank you for coming back. Um, Hopefully this week's show isn't haunted by dropped calls. Uh, That's, of course, why Lucy isn't here. Her call dropped entirely, and we haven't been able to get her back since last week. Uh, Hopefully she's going to... No, Lucy is totally fine. She's just very busy today. But uh, we do have a lot of stuff to talk about. Just because PlayStation isn't talking about much these days doesn't mean there isn't a lot going on. Uh, but before we jump into that, I do want to say, first of all, if you're listening or watching uh, this episode on a place that has comment, probably stay out of the comments for a little while because of spoilers. And we'll get to a lot of that later. Um, but I do also want to say, if you haven't already, please go check out the Elderly Irish Woman shirt on store.ign.com and you can pick one up and have a very cool version of Lucy on your shirt for the end of the rest of time. And it's a wonderful show. Um, anyway, thank you to everyone who's been buying those so far. Uh, but I figured we can jump in first just to address the big, uh, I guess, draft in the room to keep it on uh, <laughs> on message uh, and ter- talk a little bit about The Last of Us Part Two because we did talk about it last week um, when the release date was revealed as well as the unfortunate spread of leaks online of major story beats. Again, we are not going to be addressing any spoilers in specific detail despite how many people try to tweet those spoilers at us we're not going to talk about them on the show so you can listen worry free uh but it is worth mentioning that since we last recorded um the game has gone gold uh so it is officially being pressed to discs uh stuff is getting ready for the psn i don't really know what they prep there but that's getting handled right now the game is in that complete state um neil Druckmann put out a video message because normally this would be a time for the team to be together and celebrating but of course everyone's working from home so he put out a message uh alluding a little bit to the the leaks and specifically mentioned we're really excited for you to play because no matter what you've seen, no matter what you've heard, this is a game that's meant to be played through from beginning to end. Like this is a complete full thing that has so much context to it that they really want you to play it all the way through. Um, That said, and I'm going to pull up the specifics, but Sony has essentially found the leakers. um, And despite what we were talking about last week, and I obviously want to set the record straight, uh, Sony confirmed that the individuals who did the hacking, however they did, uh, were identified. Sony, of course, isn't mentioning who they are. And they are not affiliated with Sony Interactive Entertainment or Naughty Dog. Um, So I know we talked a bit... Yes, yeah, I know we talked a bit last week on this show and a lot of other shows about like the concept of a understandably upset employee, possibly upset at uh, crunch hours and the sort of working conditions they've allegedly had to work with, wanting retribution in some way. That has been one of the narratives that was spun about this, which we discussed last week. That is not the case as far as we've been told by Sony. Um, which, which is, is nice. To, yeah. Um, that said, I think we all kind of agree right now. Um, I, I, I think Druckmann's, uh, quote about the game really rings true that like, this is the thing we all want to experience all the way through from beginning to end. Um, I don't know how you guys feel, but like, even if I've been spoiled on a bit or piece of this, I don't think knowing a little aspect of this game will make me not want to play because I want to understand the full story Mm -hmm. ramifications. Yeah, uh, to speak to that real quick, the uh, thing I did when I first heard about the spoilers uh, being out in the wild was I did what I do for, you know, Star Wars movies and Marvel stuff, anything that like I'm vaguely excited for. Uh, And I went in on Twitter and I put in like a ton of keywords uh, to mute so they wouldn't pop up. And I also did the same with, uh, I forget the name of it, but there's basically a Chrome plugin where you can do all of that. And I was like, all right, here we go. Six weeks away. I'll, I'll do what I can. And then um, I was reading a random tweet from, I believe it was like Kotaku about something that wasn't even remotely related to the game. And uh, I did what I always do, which is sort of just like inherently scroll down past the first tweet to see how people are responding. Uh, and there was a jpeg with all of the spoilers in it uh or at least some big ones or at least some big ones that people think that they know because the reality is is we don't know everything um and so i was kind of like well there goes that and my gut reaction was to get really pissed off because this, this was something i was you know fairly excited for despite the fact that i think we spent like a year on record on the show being like do we really need this game 
Um, because I think many of us finished the first one and we're like, well, that was perfect. I'm good. If you're gonna tell a story, maybe tell a story somewhere else in the universe. Oh, same characters, huh? All right, well, let's see what see how it goes. Followed by uh Naughty Dog being like, This is our longest game ever. And all of us on this show who also got uh, a lot of backlash for saying Uncharted 4 was a bit too long in the tooth. We're also kind of like, uh-oh. So I went from being like pretty apprehensive about this, being spoiled by it, to just being like, screw it, read all the spoilers. So I jumped in, read everything, and I was like, <laughs> you know what? I still have no idea what this game is going to be for the 20-something hours where I'm playing it. I I might potentially know some major beats, but I can't figure out gameplay from reading a paragraph in the same way that I can't experience France by looking at a photo of it, you know, like there's some, some things you have to do. Also, like, I, I will say this right now that I've, I've been, uh, I put up a video like two years ago when the first trailer dropped where I was sort of like, well, that left a weird, bad taste in my mouth. It just seemed like violence without context. And, uh, people hated it when that came out because how dare I speak ill of a video game? Uh, that hasn't that I haven't played based on the trailer, and then now people are like, "Hey, he was right. They should never have made the game." And I was like, "I don't. I, I, that's not what I meant. I just. It's just again. It's like the the first game is borderline perfect. So what mm-hmm. what what are they going to try to improve? And then flip side of that, I feel like you could if you paraphrase the plot of the first game and you just put it in words on a forum somewhere, it can sound really stupid if you're not playing it. You know, <laughs> like you can you can take like the 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 best things ever made. And if you kind of like dumb them down and describe them in a, you know, perverse fashion, you can make it just a, you know, brilliant art sound like utter hogwash. So I don't I don't know what to make of it. That's what people do to me all the time with Kingdom Hearts when I try to distill it down and tell me that it's crazy and doesn't make sense. But, you know, um, <laughs> well, no. I, I, same thing happened with that Joker movie where there were like there were leaked scenes from the end of that film. Like straight up, one of the most like pivotal kills in that movie was leaked. I don't know how because that's crazy. Um, and also, like random plot points were flying around for that movie for a long time, and I think that's what drummed up a lot of this sort of you know we're sending in the SWAT team to hide in your popcorn bucket to make sure you don't hurt anybody after you see this movie. Like it, it just got it got to pretty absurd lengths. But the other thing too is that uh, I've seen a lot of people. Um, and again, we won't mention a single thing content wise about any spoilers here, but I've seen some people who aren't happy about what they've read and they're using that as a sort of, uh, jumping off point to say that they shouldn't support Naughty Dog in general because of what they've done with their crunch culture there. And I completely stand by that. If that's something, if you don't want to support a video game developer because of the way they mistreat and they mishandle their employees, by all means, you have every right to do that. But keep in mind that um, that's actually going to blow the doors open on a lot of the things you like, uh, specifically even more games, um, like er, basically Rockstar. Uh, we we talked about crunch culture a lot on this show when the Red Dead conversation came up, and the running uh, set sentiment from people seemed to be, well, yeah, I mean, every job is hard. And so I don't, I don't really feel like we could have like a big boy conversation at the time about crunch culture. If we're ready to have that now, that's great. I hope we're not only having that because people don't like the outcome of the narrative here. Um, Cause it's, you can't, you can't sort of pick and choose with that stuff. Um, same thing happened with Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, that, that team was basically relying on like uh, a, a small group of testers and contractors that were, they were working to the bone and not paying correctly. And, I feel like that got brushed under the rug. So again, every time this comes up, I hope that this becomes a bigger conversation and more and more companies, including yours, if you're listening and your job sucks uh, and overworks you, like everybody should be talking about this. Everybody should get to a point where they're comfortable um, and they're buying products and supporting stuff. Like it feels weird buying stuff from Amazon right now because reading about the way they're treating employees, right? Um, And so, yeah, I'm I'm glad we're talking about that. Uh, I hope we get to a point where we can continue to talk about that. Uh, And in terms of this game specifically, um, I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see on how the gameplay corresponds to what we've read so far, whether it matters, whether it doesn't matter, what the big picture looks like, if crunch culture will go away at their job and things will get fixed. Um, But yeah, in the meantime, this is where we are. It's a bizarre place for a game that by all means should have been out by now uh, and is now... Delayed indefinitely to now as a firm release date, just as everything got leaked and is now gone gold. The Last of Us 
part two. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely not an easy road, both public facing and presumably behind the scenes from what we've heard. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think a, a larger thing from that is it's something that we've talked about a lot on the show and I don't think we ever want to shy away from um, is the difficulties of how crunch culture impacts the gaming industry. And I think it's something that we're going to continue to talk about uh, on the show. But uh, to echo what Brian was saying, I think there's a bit of a difference when you're decrying that crunch culture just because you're upset about a story spoiler you've heard like there there are very clear distinct ways to talk about these things and i think we will as we get into the last of us and have it to play and have it to talk about um we'll likely hear more about naughty dog at the time we'll obviously have more about this game and be able to discuss it uh further but that's the thing i think a lot of us are of the same mind we want to play it we want to understand the full game rather than just pick and choose whether the story's good or not right now um so of this whole thing though it's pretty cool that how quickly they caught these dudes yeah like that's that's great that they were just like able to identify the issue probably are going to be able to close it up now and they caught these guys it's like great good justice did they did they say like who they were or they no no they said who they weren't right (laughs) they didn't work for naughty dog yeah yeah, that we we know that they didn't work for Naughty Dog or Sony, um, but they why did they have the game? Why did so, they? Have, how did they get like they used a security? Yeah, there was a security yeah. exploit based on um, essentially password data from an old build of something Naughty Dog had created in the past, um, and just in the same way, a lot of people use the same password for like their bank and their you know PlayStation or whatever. Um, they were able to deduce what it was and then get in and pull out a bunch of essentially raw files that were unfinished, uh, but showed off major beats. They uh, uh, effectively got somewhere between 16 and 90 minutes of, of content. Um, and a lot of it is sort of very un, untextured and unfinished. Uh, this is like an early build, uh, but it using sort of like, patchwork of what they were able to get uh essentially able to surmise where they think the story goes and decide whether or not they wanted to buy it yeah there was a a weird exploit that uh jason schreier spoke to on twitter um obviously he's spoken to anonymously a lot of current and former naughty dog employees for his reporting um and then another developer uh anonymously under the name pixel butts uh described a corroborated uh schreier's reporting and basically it seemed there was um, patches in older Naughty Dog games gave you access to the dev servers and people were able to grab things via that. Um, it was apparently fixed as of April 30th, but Naughty Dog and Sony have not commented on that exploit and whether or not that was the exact case here. Yeah, um, I mean, keep keep in mind this is within three or four days of one of the biggest sort of internal leaks we've ever seen on Nintendo's side uh, where hackers essentially went in and this is like not the biggest deal in the world, but it's still really interesting where they went in and they uh, grabbed the source code for the Nintendo Wii and the GameCube and I believe the Wii U. Um, And so people are able to reverse engineer how those, how those things were built, which is pretty crazy because it's, that's, you know, pretty significantly internally developed tech. And so I, this bodes really interestingly for this year because it, it, traditionally we saw leaks as things that happened where like a guy would leave a binder in a quiz nose or like somebody else would peek over somebody else's screen. Um, and we have a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about this year. And Sony has kind of a weird history of getting hacked across their movie division and now games. Um, I'm wondering if like, if they're not fast tracking some sort of messaging about whatever the PS five is now before people just grab it themselves and, and <laughs> tear it out there. If you look at something like the ra- raving rabbits, um, Mario versus rabbits game that got leaked uh, through an internal PDF that was essentially a marketing pitch doc. And we all saw it and was like, yuck. And then it got its actual reveal at E3 uh, and people got to appreciate it better. So like, it's, you know, it, it, it's all in the way you're able to present your story. And and sometimes that's not even up to you. Uh, there was a lot of people talking about Sony taking down the, the responses to this all over YouTube and everywhere. And them saying, no, this is like free speech. Like you don't technically own this. And there's, there's a weird sort of like gray area battle about that. That's it's hard to pick a side on, you know? Yeah. It, it's definitely, I think spun out from a, you know, hey, here's spoilers about a video game we all were looking forward to, to a lot of questions about um, content people make around that stuff, the uh, 
current culture of working from home and how that remote work is causing security issues, obviously strained security issues like this alleged one. Uh, there are so many tendrils of this that have spun out of ostensibly people trying to tell you, here's what happens to some characters, you know. Um, it has been a, a very interesting couple of weeks to be on the internet for that. And I'm sure we'll keep discussing that uh, as the weeks go on. On the on the side of uh, Naughty Dog Games, we can talk about, and I do want to get to this a little later in the show, but Tom has been Crash on the Naughty Dog. Crash Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot is what we're talking right. about. No, Tom has been, hey, I'll, I'll talk about Crash anytime. No, Tom has been on a Naughty Dog binge all weekend. Um, oh, yeah. Which sounds weirder than it is. He's just been playing a lot of uh, Naughty Dog games. We will get to that in a little bit because there is a little bit of other news I want to get to first. Uh, big quick thing just to mention is a lot of PSVR games have been announced in the last like 24 hours. Um, mostly stuff being ported to PSVR, including Vader Immortal, that episodic Star Wars game. Uh, the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners is just now out. They announced it for PSVR and it's just now available. Uh, we gave that game a nine when it originally came out. So hopefully yeah. this port yeah. is good. You have PSVR and like action-y games saints and sinners is genuinely one of the better vr games out right now so it's super cool that it's just like out on psvr suddenly yeah and then uh gorn which is that like melee uh arena battle game as well as pixel awesome uh, as well as Pixel Ripped, uh, which is another like retro-inspired uh, game. All of those have been announced for Sony uh, uh, for PSVR and are coming either now or in the months to come. Uh, so again, PSVR has these weird waves. Like It's dead silent for six to eight months, and then a bunch of games come out. Um, I wonder how much of this is um, like timed exclusivity with other platforms. Like I know that I, I know that Oculus announced Vader Immortal, or like that was initially like a, a very much attached to like an Oculus platform, and then it you know there was one of those things where it's like oh is it going to come to other systems and they're like oh no comment and then you know a year later or whatever it's like actually that's I think it's almost exactly a year because that, yeah. that got shown off at Star Wars celebration, celebration. yeah yeah yeah, yeah that was that was the flagship launch game basically sorry Tom what were you saying. Saints and Sinners is at least newer, so that one probably is not an exclusivity thing, but I don't think, you're probably right that there's some error of that in the same way that on the PC side of things, we're like getting all these new games coming to Steam that came out a year ago on the Epic Game Store suddenly, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's- and the Switch is constantly getting games from Steam from uh, like 2009 or whatever. Um, <laughs> we also saw that uh, Tetris Effect is going to Oculus Quest, so there's been a lot of sort of like Pokemon trading between all the VRs right now, which I'm cool with. Dude, a lot. I'm so cool with that because yeah. I was so like the the thing I was really worried about with VR was that it was going to become a new console war frontier basically, and like there has been some of that, but like I'm I'm all for all of these barriers being knocked down because a rising tide raises all VR ships in like a yep. very very real way. Yeah. yeah. It's, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say real quick. I'm not exactly sure how. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it'll play well, but I'm. The like Oculus touch controllers for Vader Immortal work really well. Lightsaber combat's really awesome in that game. Um, and so is player movement. And that's going to be a little bit more limited on the PSVR. But I think in the same way, um, something like Beat Saber or um, Super Hot was able to work, not at its best, but totally serviceably and, and pretty damn good. Uh, I think that'll be a confident port. It's a really good game. I wanted to bring all these games up, and especially as we're seeing, uh, as you've been pointing out, the the walls of VR sort of being knocked down across all these different platforms and the different control screens and tech that they all have. Uh, there was a research paper that was released from Sony essentially showing off uh, finger-sensitive touching uh, VR controllers. Uh, it's very early prototype-looking stuff. Like, this is not a for-market research paper. This is clearly them in the early stages of it. But this clearly reads to me like this is where psvr2 is going to go this is where the hardware needs to go in order to remain compatible with stuff like the valve index and oculus and as the vr industry continues onward um are 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 you guys excited for the future of psvr as it stands right now like it's often a very like i was saying cyclical thing where it's quiet and then gets excited we know it will be part of ps5 but they're not talking about it much yet do you have hope they'll really still support it as we go on I've kind of put my my hype for PSVR on on kind of back burner because it, the hardware just feels it feels really limited, especially kind of in contrast with everything else that's been coming out. The like the Oculus Quest is a 
gorgeous little device and it simplifies everything. It's got the, the finger stuff. It's got, it doesn't have a nest of cables that come out of it. Uh, the whole, I mean, the whole situation with, if you have a, a 4k TV and uh, like I have the older PSVR and there's a whole thing where it doesn't, it doesn't play well with HDR or 4k or whatever. And it's just, it, it just feels like a hassle to even drag it out and set it up. And at the same time, like all these really cool games are getting launched on other platforms, um, you know, with the exception of, uh, you know, stuff like Blood and Truth and, and uh, Iron Man. But I just, I, I almost am just waiting for PSVR 2 at this point, because I would, I would so much rather revisit experience or like experience things uh, on, on better hardware. Like it, it's almost like I don't want to bother jumping into a new PSVR game when I feel like it's going to be a subpar com- experience compared to what other platforms are doing with that right now. Mm-hmm. And especially when you have like, you you have the quest and the oculus rift s proving that a a psvr 2 could very easily solve a lot of the problems that are currently with psvr which is like the fact that every time once you turn around like you start to lose tracking right because it's only front facing well oculus quest is this contained little box it's all inside out tracking you don't need sensors around you so if psvr whatever the next generation of it just doesn't need sensors it doesn't need you know the PSI or whatever you need for it. Like, like if it doesn't need that part of it, it'll be such a, just a more usable device. I think I agree, Max. Like I've said it before on this show, one of the biggest things that will make PSVR more like just better overall is just getting rid of that little box that you have to like plug in and out of cables with. And if the cable jiggles, then everything breaks. And like, if they can just fix that, it'll it, like, it almost doesn't need to be a higher res headset. And I'm sure it will be and all that just, but you know what I mean? Like there are small things that'll make big differences. You know, it's not even like the technical side of it. It's, it's more just the ease of use. Yeah. yeah. It feels like I spend more time doing calibration and like cable management than I do actually you know, getting into the game. And that's, that's such a, like, that's a, that's a stupid petty complaint, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's when if you don't feel, if you don't feel compelled to play a game, that's sort of a testament to what's wrong with the system itself. Well, you know? there's, there's, yeah, we're going to say Tom. When the game is asking you to put a giant plastic thing on your head, instead of just sit down on your couch, ease of use is a hugely important thing, right? Like the barrier to entry needs to be low, low, low for VR because it is a big ask. It just is. Yeah, uh, I think that like the sort of inherent impulsive reward of having a video game controller sitting on your nightstand or your end table or your coffee table, whatever it is, and just looking down and grabbing it, hitting a button and immediately being at least in the UI and exploring your options of, of how do you want how you want to play the switch is the same way. It's it's just like extremely grabbable in its dock. You look at it and you go like, all right, I want to grab that out of there. Same with my Oculus Quest. I have it like within arm's reach. And if I feel like doing VR, I just do that and and it's done. Um, and PSVR, I mean, Jonathan, you and I were doing uh, our daily live show, News Games and More, yesterday. We both talked about how we sort of are doing some sprig cleaning uh, cable management behind our TVs. And that one is honestly like, it, it's up there with the Wii U in terms of the most amount of tentacles <laughs> a video game system has ever. Like, I remember the Wii U had, there's like a, there's the gamepad that had its own charging cable, the console itself, uh, the sensor bar, and then you had to get this giant power brick for the console itself, HDMI cable, and then you had to get an external hard drive, which uh, some of the better ones had their own power connector as well. So you're taking up three AC adapter slots just to play Wii U games. And for PSVR, it's sort of the same deal where there's just so much going on. And you could leave it there and have it there permanently which is fine but still no matter what when you're done or when you start you have to pull all these cables in and out um and wrangle them up and so i hope that the reason that this system is still getting support and the reason these patents are still being revealed is that they are going to continue to support the idea of vr on playstation for a very long time i hope some of this stuff is a stopgap uh so that when ps5 launches maybe it will be able to interface with touchless controllers. Uh, that would be a really cool exclusive thing to have on that hardware. Say the PS4 is not capable of doing something like that. But I don't know exactly how that works because, I mean, I believe you'd probably need a whole new camera system and everything too. And so it's looking like this is going to be like, we're going to really have to wait for the next leap in, in what this hardware does. But I do think that we will get a PSVR too. I do think that like, I have no regrets about buying the first one. I just wish that, you know, it had just 
it had it had scaled better and maybe been scoped a little bit better for like it launched with last gen controllers mm-hmm. and it glitches out if you look too far to the left or right like I mean, it's got some I issues the wii u is an apt comparison there where there's like there's a really cool idea there that it just it needs like that much more fine tuning and i mean mm-hmm. if the, yeah yeah I mean, if, if sony copies off a couple other people's papers and makes a some new hardware that makes the whole thing easier to use which I, it sounds like they're doing then then great i would be very happy about that yeah me too I, I, go ahead i was wrapping up so go ahead yeah. well, real quick, what i will say is by contrast everything i think you guys just said and all the complaints are totally valid and totally true but also man it's a miracle that this like out of date headset is still as fun to use as it is totally oh yeah you look at PC-based headsets that came out when PSVR came out, they're mm-hmm. not good anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they are not being supported. They do not look good. They don't hold up in the way that PSVR actually has, which is a miracle. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely incredible. It's definitely a testament to, I think, the way they've supported. And obviously, it's been a sur- sporadic support. But when you have things like Astrobot and Tetris Effect and Blood and Truth and Beat Saber and Firewall, like you have a lot of really great and a lot of exclusive content that still rings true if you're willing to deal with the jungle of wires that it uh, comes coupled with. But I think definitely if they're looking for a wider adoption, especially with PSVR 2, they, the ease of use is so key to getting people who, unlike us, are dealing with gaming stuff every day. Uh, right into the system so yeah hopefully hopefully that comes along we'll have to see what happens there um i do want to touch on stuff that we at least know a little bit more concretely is happening and this gets into the next gen sphere of things because while we can't talk about ps5 because sony won't say anything uh we can talk about some third-party stuff i'll start on the what i think is the more positive note at least reaction wise uh assassin's creed valhalla got announced in between our episodes and i did want to touch on briefly uh we only had a cinematic trailer by the time that came out we are getting gameplay later this week uh after we record at that xbox event we can touch on in a second but um yeah a new assassin's creed felt like a given i think we're all going into this year and this new generation expecting one did that uh reveal trailer does the gameplay stuff they talk about did that do anything for you guys not as much as the screenshots did, honestly. That I was like, I was kind of like, oh, okay, okay, I got it. Um, and then I saw the screenshots, and I was like, okay, this is way more warm. And like, because those were quiet and still, and they showed my favorite parts of Assassin's Creed, or at least the modern ones, which is exploration and just sort of getting lost in this massive world. And I feel like that, like very combat, very sort of like dreary, heavy trailer was just like, I was like, yeah, there's gonna be some of that, but I'm not here for that because that could go play For Honor. You know, like I'm here for this world and then seeing that world in screenshots was stunning. And I'm like, okay, that's, this is going to be one of my flagship PS5 launch games. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I kind of a similar way where like the trailer itself, I thought was like great, right? It was a really fun, good cinematic trailer, but like, it didn't really, it doesn't really tell you anything about like, well, okay, how is this going to be different? What are they doing differently? How is this an evolution of it or whatever the thing that got me more excited than just the trailer was like jonathan your piece about it and like all yeah. the extra details we got like the idea of that you're that you're gonna have this whole town with like base building they're bringing that back in is like so cool like that's so exciting i'm really really excited to dig into that love that detail yeah like i fell yeah. so hard we talked about it on the show i fell so hard for mino kuni 2's uh kingdom building aspect okay. and this basically sounds like that with a viking village and i'm like yes please uh, like i love etio's villa i love the pirate town and black flag that you start up and this feels very much in line with that but more expansive yeah i'm excited yeah. For that. so i'm always it, with assassin's creed games it's always like whether or not the setting grabs me is a huge part of it. And I've never been, I've never been wild about like Greek, like Greek mythology, Spartan stuff or like that, that period. And origins is okay. I was okay with Egypt, but again, it didn't really like, didn't really like tickle me. Right. And then Viking stuff is like, that's all right. But then the second I was like, I heard like dark ages, open world. I was like, Oh, that's what, that that's the thing I like. Yeah. I want to go see some castles. I want to go climb a castle. That's I like the castle. Yeah. Yeah. We do know some of that, like uh, the Dark Ages stuff uh, in terms of like there will be real world settings that we'll, of course, be going to. But like London will feature there will be major um, townships and cities involved here that you'll be able to go explore. So I'm hoping that's a part of it, too. I think it was a really, really smart decision for them to pick the time period that they did. Like the yeah. fact that it because we knew from or not didn't know, but we knew, like assumed from leaks and rumors for 
it feels like two years basically that they were going to go Vikings. But the fact that it's Vikings, but at the end of Vikings with like castles and, and that sort of aspect is something I wasn't expecting and is is a really, really cool twist on sort of a rumor we already knew. I'm 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 into it. I'm like I'm very much looking forward to this one. Yeah, me too. I should note this is from the uh, Ubisoft Montreal team, which was behind Black Flag and Origins, which are arguably the more, I don't want to say revolutionary, but the more like franchise-breaking entries in the series, Black Flag, obviously, with it. that I looked it up because I was really curious. Black Flag and Odyssey almost have identical map sizes, but F- Black Flag was at the beginning of this gen, and Odyssey was the last game uh, in the series so far. So uh, huge kudos to what that team has been able to pull off on a scope scale, and of course, Origins rebooted essentially the franchise on a gameplay level. So they, they know their way around a, a good Assassin's Creed game. I'm, I'm excited about this. I never mess with Black Flag, but everyone says it's phenomenal again pirates are one of those things i'm like very hit or miss about but i know that that i love that that one was that was the first uh that, that was the first current gen one right that was yeah. ps4's yeah. first yeah yeah which yeah. was really like let's let's push the boundaries of this hardware let's see what we can do let's see how big we can get and how much we can have people exploring and we're on the cusp of new hardware so to see what that team is doing with that level of ambition is very exciting so yeah, it's yeah. also uh, and uh, Jonathan, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but uh, it's also kind of cool because it it means that on day one of the PS5, we are guaranteed at least one like gigantic, meaty fifty-hour game, which is like you can't always count on that for video game launch titles in general. Um, but the thing is, Ubisoft is always really good at supporting uh, hard like new hardware on day one. Um, and so that kicks ass because not not that I'm expecting a bunch of sort of like shallow, small experiences from first party PlayStation Studios on, on the launch of the next gen console. But you never know with the way things are shaking out this year and uh, the way video game development has been shifted to home. And so if this is on track to deliver on day one, then, yeah, that's my that's my big next gen console. Yeah, it, it's going to be very exciting to have that there. It will be for those who don't want to or can't buy into next gen this fall. It will be on current gen as well. So be, you'll be able to jump in the way you could with Black Flag. But yeah, I'm especially not knowing really anything else about what's to come with PS5. It's nice to know we'll have something of the scale and likely caliber given the studio's pedigree uh, to come at launch. And, and you can play the entire game as a custom character with tattoos and designs. And so you know what that means? You can be the town fool. And just oh. make a real mess of that game. Just destroy <laughs> yourself and look horrible like a real beast. It's going to be... Uh, you can also customize your own like raiders for your party, not just your main character, that you can then send to friends to have in their raiding party. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. So that's going to be really fun, making just the weirdest uh, designed characters you can. Just like, hey, Tom, here's a new guy for your party. Hope he helped. Um, but... But yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. As Tom had mentioned, uh, I was lucky enough to speak with Ashraf Ismail, who's the director of this game, director of Black Flag and Origins. Really uh, awesome dude to talk to, and he gave us a lot of insight, so go check that out on IGN. Uh, other next-gen game, we got a surprise dump of screenshots of uh, the Gollum game. The Lord of the Rings Gollum game that got randomly announced, I believe, last year uh, or early this year is coming next gen apparently in 2021 uh we got a bunch of screenshots of this um max i definitely want to hear your thoughts as i know a big lord of the rings person um we've definitely watched those movies on christmas eve or I new's love, eve i love to watch those <laughs> the, the films with the orcs yeah. and whatnot i Gollum. uh i adore Gollum. he used to be one of my favorite characters like i remember loving him in the hobbit and then not having read lord of the rings and being like he like shows up for a second in the fellowship and i was like is he gonna be in the next one and somebody's yeah, he has like a bit of a, a role in the two towers. This could be interesting. And then wound up being like, of course, that hit breakout character. Um, I've been, I, I'm like kind of lukewarm on this. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm, I I don't know what's, I don't, I, I don't know what part of that story I really want to hear, you know? I mean, it, it's, it could be interesting. Um, but that, that franchise is so odd. I feel like, especially following sort of um, the Middle Earth games, which the first one, um, was so like exactly what I was into. And then I was like, I hope the second one really explores this world. And I was like, no, they just doubled down on the nemesis system and really all the systems. And I was like, well, it's okay. I could use more lore, but yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I'm kind of tepid on this, but curious nonetheless. I genuinely don't understand how this game got greenlit. (laughs) And I don't mean that to say that like, it's going to be a bad game because it could be a fun game. Like I'm not, I'm not, 
out here like calling it dead before it even before we even see gameplay. But like, I don't understand who hears Gollum led stealth narrative game and is like like ship it like that that to me it just seems like such a weird concept and like when i saw these screenshots it didn't really convince me otherwise like they don't look bad they just are like like okay well i think the big issue was they were like next gen screenshots and people were like i don't know about all that that's not the best looking it's a Um, really it's a really good reminder that the pure just graphical leap of this generation is going to be less exciting than previous generations whereas the 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 stuff around the graphical leap is going to probably be extraordinarily exciting and and noteworthy but like just graphics not every game that you start seeing roll out as a next-gen game over the next few months is gonna like blow you away probably even valhalla is not gonna like blow you away compared to odyssey yeah odyssey itself was such a gorgeous game and i think we're seeing a lot of games push this hardware especially because of the mid-generation leaps we had with the pro and the series right. X, or the one x excuse so yeah i, I agree the, the screenshots like on, on their own i wish we could see some gameplay like i wish this came with a five minute gameplay demo of it maybe we'll get you, some at the xbox um you know what it, to, to to announce a new golem video game with a handful of screenshots is a thing that i would have expected to happen in like 2002 yeah to not be like to be like hey here's next gen via jpeg you're like oh all right that's i mean we're <laughs> yeah, and i think i think even in 2002 people would have been like make a legolas game or like a young gandalf or something like that like hyper focus on a character that's a little more sort of toyetic and a, mm-hmm. a little more fun also, um, in fact, the hobbit video game came out in 2003 that's right uh, yeah did you guys uh do you guys ever play sticks master of shadows or the sequel to yes. that yeah i played the first one that was kind of a golem game in a, in a mm-hmm. way and it, but this is this just honest. I don't know. I'm I'm like, I don't know. yeah, like, yeah. It's totally a game we need because I think there like there are cool things you could do with that character. Like Tom, I I get where you're coming from. Of like, I don't know why this was the idea they went with first because it's just so unexpected. But like dealing with the dual you know personality thing, I can see a lot of narrative uh, beats and player choice coming from there. I can I get the sense of like stealth and everything. I just don't know if the entry point I want right now into this universe. Yeah, I feel like a game like this could really benefit from being six hours long and 15 to 20 bucks. I mean, instead of 60 bucks and 30 hours or something, because I I don't really see how that they can get that much mileage out of this gameplay with this character. Um, But doing like a sort of like a shorter hyper-focused story would be interesting, because I I think that sort of justifies them saying hey we want to make a, a golem game <laughs> you know like I, like it's i think the pitch should kind of be about as tall as that dude is you know like keep it, <laughs> keep it short um, and sweet is he sweet though uh but yeah it'll be interesting <laughs> to see more um of that it's interesting that these are sort of the like the dual ends of what we're seeing of next gen games first uh this week is this golem game screenshots and then that assassin's creed reveal uh late last week but i I do want to talk about uh we are expecting like we are now going into the season of next gen news is going to be hitting we're going to be getting a lot more this week of series x third party games which presumably means probably some multi-platform games from an inside xbox event um along with that xbox announced they're doing a series of uh xbox 2020 videos that sound like inside xbox but are slightly more pared down and focused it sounds like so every month they will be doing focuses uh this month is multi-platform third-party series x games uh next month is services i believe they said july will be first party xbox games so presumably exclusives and so on and so forth until we uh get through toward next gen um i think it's really cool that they're setting this roadmap that they're announcing all of that uh that we know we can look forward to a bunch of games this thursday that whether we play them on xbox or playstation we're gonna see some next gen stuff soon I wish Sony had a voice in this, like not just for us to have something more to talk about, but I just like it. It feels so muddled as someone who has really enjoyed so much of what the PS4 has given us this generation to see that messaging and then to see nothing on the PlayStation side. Yeah, especially because they, they with state of play, they figured out a way to get information to us rapidly and efficiently uh, and in a pretty fun and snappy way. And I'm I don't know, like it. it I love PlayStation. I always have. Like it. This is this has been sort of a bummer to just watch them 
sit back. Uh, like, I hope this means they're just kind of charging up the laser beam, right? And it, they're just going to blast it at some point. But having Microsoft come out and go, we're going to be here once a month with like a brand new reel of information and new game reveals and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it, it makes me it makes me really want to just go knock on their door and be like, Sony, what are you doing? Like, come on, get out there. Like, well, we, could, we, we went crazy for the logo and the controller and less so for the GDC talk, but get, get some stuff out there. Come on. You could try t- testing out some of their old passwords on some old websites. See if <laughs> uh, no, I feel like with this, with what Microsoft's doing here, it's really smart because it's kind of iterating on what Nintendo's done with Directs where they're like, hey, we have this thing coming up. Here's a basic idea of what to expect from it. But in this case, they're giving you like, I mean, it feels like a like a, a a lesson plan or like a semester, but in a fun way where it's like, hey, um, we're probably not gonna we're not gonna show you you know Halo Infinite next week. We're gonna show you that later. Like, don't be disappointed if you don't see the thing you want to see this next coming one. Here's a basic idea of when to expect that. You know, it's it's a really good way of helping people kind of frame expectations and also just to be totally selfish here and speak from the sort of press coverage side of things. That is an incredibly uh, considerate way to like have a roadmap of how to how to plan coverage around these things yeah oh yeah it's it's amazingly helpful on that note especially as a news editor knowing that hey we'll have once a month for these things but i can know how we need to scale accordingly it also gives people something to bank on in these dark and miserable times like it's i don't know like april was six months long march was uh, i think i turned i think i had six birthdays in march it's september now right yeah it's or yeah, I think we should just have Halloween next week. Let's just have Halloween one and then do it again in October. There's nothing else going on. Um, and so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to like be able to count on something from Sony. Uh, that said, Jonathan, you talked about um, how Xbox's focus for this this thing this week is third-party stuff. I think you're completely right in that we're going to be able to look at that and gather a bunch of uh, launch games that we can, or at least launch window games that we can expect to see on PS5. What's interesting is that this usually happens within a 48-hour window at E3 where Microsoft rolls out with a press conference. They maybe like call dibs on Call of Duty, and then we see the trailer from a different angle at the PlayStation conference, but then PlayStation goes, play it first uh, with uh, here on this thing because we paid for it. And so I'm wondering if this is going to mean like how aggressive that war is going to start to ramp up right now, how much money uh, Microsoft is throwing at third parties to get that sort of like it plays best on Xbox or play this first on Xbox. Like it's, it's anyone's game now to sort of own that conversation and sort of create that bridge in, in the consumer's head between the biggest games and which platform they, they see them kind of, you know, coalescing with. And so I'm really interested to see what they sort of call dibs on, uh, or if they just go, here are a bunch of games, and then everyone who is buying a PS5 goes, oh, yeah, I'll buy those there anyway. So it could end up being free advertising for PS5 if we just know that there's a bunch of PS5 logos in the corner of these game trailers anyway. Yeah, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see what that breakdown is, because I'm sure we'll get one or two exclusive third-party games shown at this thing, like Microsoft needs those exclusive, and it makes a lot of sense. I do, yeah, I do really wonder what we're going to see, because we've talked about it a lot on the show. Sony has kind of played the, by not saying anything, we're still involved, because like their absence breeds the like, oh, but Final Fantasy VII Remake was one of the biggest games of E3 last year, so even though they weren't there, a launch exclusive for ps4 was one of the dominating topics uh marvel's avenger you know the good and bad of its reveal it was going to theoretically have its um beta first on playstation with playstation exclusive content like they still find a lot of ways to be involved even when they're not there but this is an Mm -hmm. xbox event this is a thing that they are going to push first and i'm curious how sony is going to come back because they do they have to say something now that we're getting into showing games yeah i think they're still buttoning up everything for 2020 um you know obviously they still have the last of us goes to tsushima and iron man but also when call of duty launches across every platform this november it's going to sell best on ps4 like yeah there's there's a lot of stuff that's just they they'll just they'll just sit back and just you know inherit the wins of having a hundred plus million hardware lead on their our closest competitor um and I think I think they feel like they they probably feel like they don't have to say much right now. But the reality is, is like we're all sitting here starved for information. And so it would be nice. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it would be some, some like incredible shots fired if we got a reveal of what Final Fantasy VII Remake looks like running on an Xbox Series X. 
because that's that's still like a year off, but that's eventually going to happen. I mean, I would, I, I would assume that Sony would or uh, Square would align like basically doing a a, a next gen you know re- remake of that game with all the polish and bells and whistles and shorter load times and less tunnels. A remake, remake. Yeah, well, remake, remastered, remastered. or whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. Yeah, next gen remake. Would Got it be it. called Final Fantasy VII Remake Remaster? I hope so. <laughs> Or, or just like I, double I or something. Yeah. Um, anyway, it, it will be really fun. We'll obviously, I think regardless of what comes from the Xbox event, we'll have games that we can talk about from that event here because probably some of them are going to be on PlayStation. Uh, but until Sony says more, Sony, if you're listening, please just tell us something and please post the PlayStation blog post before we record. Uh, when that happens. <laughs> but uh, as we move on, I do want to talk about uh, games we've been playing. And specifically, Tom, I want to uh, start with you because you've had just a, a naughty dog filled couple of days. Uh, Dude, I caught the bug. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So tell us what you've played. In, you in can't what- say that now. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, I've caught the, 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 what's now? See, now I'm blanking. Yeah. I was going to say whatever the disease was in Last of Us. But anyway. What disease did dogs have, please? <laughs> Um, so last week on this, this fine podcast program, um, I, uh, I mentioned that I was going to start playing the last of us cause I picked it up and I never finished it. I beat the entire game, uh, over the course of the last week. Then I beat the, uh, DLC left behind because I got the remastered version. And then I played through the entirety of uncharted one in that same day. Um, in this day I played left behind. Then I played all of uncharted two on Sunday and then I started uncharted three today and I'm about, I'm a couple or yesterday and I'm, I'm a couple hours in. So I'm just going hard because I'd never played last of us. Well, I'd played last of us for like the first couple hours and then stopped and never beaten it. Uh, I played uncharted one and two when they came out, but I'd never played three or four. So like, I was just trying to like catch up and man, it's been fun. Like it's been really a good time catching up. (laughs) I was asking you before we started recording when you finished The Last of Us and no spoilers, obviously, was your gut reaction like I really need a sequel to this game? Because I, I don't feel like it was any of ours at so the time. Funny, funny enough, knowing that there is a sequel. Yeah. Like knowing that there is a sequel coming, I was like, oh, man, like I want to see what happens next. I want to see how they address this ending in the next one, because this is like now a powder keg ready to go off and i'm like oh yeah like i want to see that but like probably if it if i didn't know a sequel was ever coming i would think it was a really incredibly brave sort of contained story in a really cool way like i i loved the game i had a ton of fun with it basically all my issues with it are are pretty like nitpicky at the end of the day um I think that the story is phenomenal. Like Ellie is just one of my favorite video game characters in recent memory. Like she's really, really great. Um, Yeah, it was just a blast. And then it was such a hilarious whiplash to go from the last of us to uncharted one. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, Oh my God, that is a different game. Spoiler, by the way, uncharted one, does not really hold up very well like it is it is fun it's it's a fun little popcorn time but like for man, sure going from last of us to uncharted one is like whew, you can see how far they came like it really really shows how far they came because the dna is there but man is it different yeah what's interesting about that game is it's sort of the beginning of uh naughty dog's current era because they very much had platform specific eras until the ps3 and the ps4 kind of melted together for them um, and Uncharted is like the blueprint of that. Yeah. Um, how, how was the jump uh, between Uncharted 1 and Uncharted 2 for you? Like, how did you enjoy Uncharted 2? The funny thing is that a lot of people might not remember is that Uncharted 2 is literally the exact same game, but better. Like, it, it is, it's essentially the same plot. Um, all of the mechanics, as far as I can tell, are functionally identical. There's only like two new guns in the entire game. Um it is almost exactly the same game. It's not even really a sequel as much as it's like a 1.5. And then when I started three, I think I was texting you last night when I started three, like you can like uncharted three actually feels like a sequel to what the original uncharted was where it's like, Oh, this has been upgraded. Like this is really, really something cool and special now. Whereas the first two games were like just pretty like really fun action movies. Like they were, they were very simple. 
um, very, very two-dimensional. And then in Uncharted 3, I'm starting to feel like, oh, they're starting to flesh this out. They're trying to give these characters a little bit more personality. Like, it's really, really cool to, to experience this a decade late. <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious to see what you make of 4, because 4, to me, feels like it kind of takes a look back at the first three and just kind of remixes them and tries mm. to sort of revisit certain things with modern tech. And it's it's... It's definitely like it's cool, but it's it's one of those things that has I think it packs less of a punch if you have played all the other three. But at the same time, why would you play the thrilling conclusion to the quadrilogy if you hadn't played the previous ones? You know, so. right. And then you can jump into Uncharted: The Lost Legacy as well. Which rule, yeah. Max and Brian? I I do want to know uh, what you guys have been playing too, because uh, Brian obviously a uh, little bit of time off. I didn't talk to you last week. Yeah, uh, I've been playing a ton of Streets of Rage 4, which just kicks ass. It's super fun. Uh, it is straight up old school 90s arcade beat em up, birthday party, you know, gross pizza, soda all over the place. It's just like, it feels like you're in an arcade in the 90s. It kicks ass. Um, there are so many companies and so many developers and so many franchises that have tried to revitalize that 90s beat em up thing, and they either go kind of too over the top and add all these sort of unnecessary systems or it's just way too stupid and dumbed down. Um, and this one, I think, hits that perfect sweet spot in the middle. It's super fun in local co-op. Uh, it's really it's really nice to just beat up just a bunch of people on the street, like right now, you know, because like you can't. And you can't so, yeah, yeah. I, I think you can't beat up a bunch of people on the streets like normally either, though. That's like like a law. No, no, no. Second quarantine's over. You're allowed to get out there and just really beat some ass. Second they, quarantine purge afterwards. They yeah, just stood on the news today. No, um, one of my favorite things about this game is uh, you can adjust the food power ups. And so there's basically like, if you're like, I don't want a whole roast turkey, I want ramen. You could switch it over. But if you're like, I'm vegan, you can pick a salad. <laughs> like, really? yeah. yeah. So like, I immediately went, went into the settings and I was like, I was like, I'm sick of picking up hamburgers. I want to pick up pizza. And so you could just pick up pizza for the whole game. And now pizza is your power up and it kicks ass. Like, it's so much fun. Um, yeah, it's like I finished the game and like immediately wanted to restart it on a harder difficulty. You unlock all these like old school character skins and costumes. The art's great. The music's amazing. So yeah, I'm, I'm really loving that. The other one I'm really enjoying for Couch Co-op is Moving Out, which is launched uh, last week. It is um, basically overcooked, but uh, with local co-op characters trying to move out of apartments and houses and stuff like that. And insane hijinks ensue the entire thing is positioned like an 80s television show which i really like because the, the the music is is really great um and i think it's a lot more forgiving uh than something like overcooked is which actually gets pretty tough um this one feels a little bit more laid back in terms of uh punishing you but it's just as fun and you get in just as many arguments it's also more it's more physics based right yeah yeah so there's That's a lot of thing. I wish that I wish that Overcooked had more like more physics to it. Like I wish you could spill the food <laughs> everywhere and really cause a mess. But this seems like <laughs> more. Yeah, the thing about Overcooked, I really love it. But there's also sort of a like a finite amount of solutions for everything you can do in that game. Like if you need to make a bacon, egg, and cheese, you pretty much have to make a bacon, egg, and cheese. You can hand off like ingredients in a different way. But for moving out, uh, like I was playing with my wife, and we both had to move stuff out of an apartment, and she like accidentally backed a couch into a window. And realized the window was open and they just started tr throwing crap through the window out of the front yard <laughs> instead of walking through the door and i was like yeah that's awesome and like i don't know like a turtle got in the house and started biting her ass while we were like like and we're just screaming at it and stuff like that. it's just so much fun um so yeah if you're stuck inside with like a you know like a, a significant other or a friend or a roommate or something like that um your landlord who's banging on your door for rent uh play streets of rage and moving out because they're both they both get my couch co-op seal of approval distract your landlord from trying to make you move out by uh playing moving out with them yeah that's right um max what have you been playing uh i weirdly enough jumped back into arkham city like i just was sort of you know you get that that sort of rose tinted glasses of nostalgia and being like yeah i remember that game looking really good on when i played it on 360 yeah, yeah. On 360 on like a crt tv uh, 10 years ago or whatever and I, I got the sort of arkham collection which was i think it was like four dollars or something um but yeah, I jumped into that and it's like it's definitely aged weirdly. Like it's still a very good game, but it's like structurally feels like kind of clunky because we've gotten so much 
everything about open world games has been so streamlined. Um, and the fact that there's like a load screen when you go in and out of buildings is very odd. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's cool to jump into that. I also, um, I don't know, I've been getting that, I kind of getting that persona itch. I might jump in there and Ooh. go, but I also, I'm like, I'm, I'm not falling for, I'm not falling for that trickery. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the, the Royal. I'm going to do the original because I have 10 hours into that and I don't want to replay it. Right. You finished, did you finish FF7? Yeah, I beat I beat that finally. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm very slowly chipping away at it, but I'm I'm hoping to put more time in this weekend. Yeah, we actually this 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 morning we recorded our big fat spoiler cast, which I'm excited to go up. So I can there's there's so much in that game that's that that kind of like I was sort of I was sort of burnt out by the tail end of that game because I really at the end I was just like I just want to get it over with and see what happens because I'm tired of hiding from spoilers. But um, <laughs> talking about sort of the earlier parts of it, like I really did love that experience. So yeah, ten, uh, ten hours of Persona Five is like eight percent. <laughs> you played the first half of the tutorial so uh yeah i think <laughs> you look so sad i know i'm gonna uh, die tom <laughs> i'm gonna die someday and i'm gonna be sitting on my deathbed and i'm gonna go what did i do with my life and it's like, well i replayed the first 10 hours of persona maybe i shouldn't play persona if i'm that stressed about time use yeah maybe not um i've been playing meanwhile um still playing black flag working my way through that um perfect timing for valhalla uh i also have been playing or at least watching my uh girlfriend play she's uh jumped into star wars jedi fallen order which of course just got a free dlc update uh with new cosmetics and like new challenge modes um this is her first souls born but we're replaying it as part of like a larger star wars thing we're doing and it's really fun Fun. I kind of now understand you guys watching me playing Bloodborne and how much fun you had. I understand watching her play Jedi Fallen Order and having fun watching someone contend with that sort of combat. Yeah. Oh man, I I I actually didn't really think about how like extremely watchable that game is. It's super fun to play and control, but yeah, I would absolutely sit there and watch somebody play through that game from start to finish. Yeah, it's definitely a joy just watching someone wield a lightsaber. Like mm-hmm. it, it does really translate from movie to game watching. Uh, really and it, well. It, and it got a massive free update. Yeah, yeah. So there's new um, D1 skins, new ponchos, I believe, a new version of Cal that you can get, um, like a new journey, new game plus sort of thing, uh, and then some like brutal challenge uh, arena combat stuff that you can do too. Yeah, there's like a customizable combat arena where you can either go through waves of the preset ones or just build out your own thing and I, I believe share it. So you can just make a room with like, like, 60 ATSTs and be like good luck yeah it's uh it's really cool the way they're supporting that game and i really hope we continue to see that franchise happen uh the only other thing i've quickly been playing i only just started it this morning but playing a little john wick heck which is out on ps4 after it came out on pc originally uh made by uh bithel games which of course was thomas was alone and volume uh and then the subsurface circular games um i'm only a couple levels in i know originally dan stapleton when he reviewed it on pc had a lot of like janky issues with it like there was a lot of tech stuff he ran into i haven't seen that so far in the first couple uh levels but i'm i'm enjoying its weird sort of like turn-based but not turn-based it's like time-based turn-based strategy um, where essentially everything happens on a timeline and every action takes up a certain amount of time. So it's like 0.2 seconds or 1.6 seconds. And you have to basically figure out how to get through a level while maximizing your time and uh, mowing down enemies as you go. Uh, I'm enjoying it so far, but definitely something I want to spend more time um, before I take too much uh, of a final verdict on it on my hand. Um, but I think that pretty much wraps up for episode. 643 uh for those who have been asking uh we will do more memory cards in that one things in the future uh please send some we've uh, hit a little bit of a dry spell on email and if you've sent one that we haven't read uh just re-up the email thread i get this uh, several hundred emails a day so some of those have fallen by the wayside uh but please send them definitely want to keep up with those and keep reading those on the show and we will do that in the weeks to come uh but otherwise wrapping up uh i'm on twitter at jam dornbush brian is at agent bizzle max is at mexicoville tom is at tom art mark um work wise what do you guys want to plug uh, as we wrap up anything on ign um max and i did a like utterly awesome surreal super cool once in a lifetime uh video last week where we had uh david hater aka the voice of solid snake on up at noon we did a full-on 25 minute interview with him uh but afterwards we wrote a short script for him to read uh which is basically solid snake giving advice on how to survive 
against the coronavirus, and it's entirely in codec conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had Max play Colonel Campbell, so that was super kick-ass, uh, yeah. and people really, really liked it. So also, go check I, it out. I want to point out somebody. Somebody in the comments was like, "It doesn't make sense. Snake wouldn't do the explaining. He would just be like, huh, coronavirus? Wow, huh." Weird, you know, like he'd ask all the questions. My theory is that Snake is slightly more informed in this whole thing, and Colonel probably gets all his news from Facebook, so he's like out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> I need scissors, sixty-one. Yeah, my theory was it's it's funnier to have David Hayter read a lot of lines than just like two of them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that too. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, if you haven't seen that already, go check it out. It's really great. Uh, Jordan Parkhurst uh, worked on that, correct for you guys? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jordan's, Jordan's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Tom, anything on your end you want to plug? Nope, I have nothing to follow that. That's Fair enough. go watch their thing. That's what I want to plug. Fair enough. Uh, and as we alluded to earlier, uh, look forward to our FF7 remake spoiler cast. Uh, we had so much to talk about. We've been talking about maybe we need to do a part two probably before FF7 remake part two comes out. Uh, but if you've beaten the game, please check that out when it comes out, hopefully later this week. Uh, really fun discussion with that. But uh, that pretty much wraps us up for episode 643 Beyond is Normally Live, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash Beyond, and your favorite podcast services. Otherwise, you can check us out on IGN.com and YouTube.com slash IGN. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Tom. Thank you to our producer, Red. And thank you to everyone watching or listening at home. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. 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 Beyond.